0: Welcome to the Delling Pod with me, James Delling Pod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I really am because this week's special guest is very special to me. His name is Ray Perrin, Dr. Ray Perrin. And Ray is one of the, the people who has genuinely, genuinely improved my life. Um, a lot of you will know that I suffered from Lyme disease for many years. And Ray, Ray and his, his Perrin technique, you've really helped sort me out, Ray. I mean, thank you. Thank you. For, I, 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 if, I could, if I could illustrate or, or express the difference between when I first came to see you and now, my life has, I, I, I don't even think about Lyme disease anymore. It's, it, it's not an issue in my life. And I know, I know Lyme well, disease is not your yeah. speciality, but, but nevertheless, it's a byproduct of what you do, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it, it's wonderful to see you, James, uh, and to hear you. You know, I always say to my patients when they improve, I always say, I wish, I wish we had a video of you when you first came. And, and you're here now but we don't do that in clinic obviously ethics uh, dictates we don't video all our patients but it'll be great to be able to see before and afterwards and um you know i remember when you first came and you and uh, and your friends and your, uh, your your the people who watch your blog will probably know what you were like uh, uh, when when you had the, the illness quite badly and looking at you now you look you look uh, in a much better state of health you know uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed as we call it
0: yeah the, the, only, the only thing I have to go on about how bad it was I did make a a health diary at one point i mean i'm very I'm very very poor at keeping diaries I, I, I wish I could because the last year would have been brilliant but i did I did keep a health diary and there were so many symptoms because as you know, the Lyme disease is known as the great imitator and it imitates all number of of dise- other diseases, which is why it's so hard to diagnose and why people don't know they've got it for a long time and why they go to their, their GP and their and, and the, the GP probably writes in his notes, hypochondriac or, or worried well, because he can't get to the bottom of these myriad complaints. And I just... One of, the, one of the dominant ones, I think this is the characteristic problem of people with Lyme disease, is brain fog. And yeah. I think you almost need to have experienced brain fog to be able to, to, to know what it is. But it's like your brain is just like made of marshmallows or sludge and it, everything slows down. I don't get yeah. that anymore.
1: I have one of my patients calls it a foggy brain, which is a combination of of foggy and something else (laughs) (laughs) and uh i think that's the best way of uh yeah best way i mean it really is i mean brain fog people will probably wonder what i'm an osteopath and a neuroscientist i'm not an immunologist and i'm not a specialist in in infectious diseases so what am i treating a lyme disease and how do i do it
0: good question i suppose that's that's what probably you're going to ask. Well, yeah, but you've asked <laughs> you, you've asked it for me, Ray. And actually that, that is a very good, you know, how come? Yeah, that's very true. Because to put you in context, you don't, your treatment doesn't just work for Lyme disease. It works for chronic fatigue syndrome or ME and other yeah, stuff too. Yeah, like, yes. was it Crohn's yeah. disease or any of those? What, what are the other ones it works for?
1: Well, there's, there's um, one of the things that I've treated, which... I'm hesitant to advertise in any way because um, I'm not saying I don't want to get involved in it but I'm so involved with ME and and it's such a difficult but if you catch, uh, I believe if you catch Alzheimer's very early on, we can probably help that as well but we need to do research before we can make those claims but I have treated a patient very early on with Alzheimer's who kept to a reasonable level of health for about four years Um, he wasn't going in fact every month he came to me for treatment and he said he's had the best month yet it was only when he fell and injured his head that his symptoms went right downhill but for four years we kept him going and and um, I have treated a few others uh, with uh, with um, Alzheimer's as well and had some some success in helping reduce some of the symptoms so basically the the parent technique is a treatment for the neuro lymphatic system that's that's my baby mm. and um i discovered this um 32 years ago now it's a long time ago that i discovered i could help uh chronic fatigue me in those days they used to call it yuppie flu and one of the main symptoms of of me is the brain fog And uh, so, it's you know, so where does Lyme disease fit into this? Basically, I believe that there are many conditions, and Alzheimer's is one of them. I think there's research done to show Crookfeld jakobs disease is also one of them. And um, my work is on ME and chronic fatigue syndrome, and also fibromyalgia, which is a subset of the same condition. And these are all, and Lyme disease are all what I believe are neurolymphatic disorders. And this is a you wouldn't, if you look on the website, neurolymphatic disorders, you wouldn't have much about it except my work and a few others, because it's it, this is a new uh, sort of section of disease that has now just been recognised as a as a real problem. Because what I said in years ago now that ME, chronic fatigue syndrome, was caused by a problem in the drainage of the brain into the, of toxins into the lymphatics. And when I said that, and it was quite a few years ago now, it was completely against medical thinking, completely. Um, in those days, when I first came up with this, The idea of a a connection between the lymph and the brain was was totally pooh-poohed by the medical and scientific world because you had to understand what the lymphatic system was there for in the body. According to the uh, science, and this is accepted science, the lymphatics are mainly there to drain away large poisons, large toxins, and the small toxins can all go away through the blood, the capillaries. And it's a very easy way to describe it. And I remember when you first came, I, I went through all this with you. Mm. Um, but uh, basically, the capillaries have a wall that's like a mesh filter. And that allows small molecules into the blood to go away. So any small toxin, small molecules will drain away through the blood. The lymphatics, their capillaries have got uh, walls like a gills of a fish opening and closing. And there they allow larger molecules in. And that's the purpose of the lymphatics, really, to drain away the larger molecules. In the brain, we have a barrier called the blood-brain barrier. And that stops any large molecules entering the brain. And therefore, we don't need a lymphatic system. And that's why in all the books and all the textbooks I learned when I was in college and uh, beyond that, Or, you know, all the medicine accepted the fact there was no lymphatic drainage of the brain because we don't need one. Because large molecules can't get into the brain in the first place. And this is so wrong on so many levels. But a few scientists like myself thought, well, wait a second. What about hormones? Hormones are huge molecules. And hormones are controlled by the brain by an organ in the brain called the hypothalamus. That basically is the mother of the hormonal system. And basically hormones enter the brain and hormones, uh, then the hypothalamus in the the brain measures the hormones and then it sends messages back. The example I always give is insulin. Insulin is produced in the pancreas in your tummy. This goes into the brain and then your, your hypothalamus Measures this and sends messages back to the pancreas to produce more or less insulin. Insulin is a huge molecule, massive. The molecules that get through the blood-brain barrier because it's a barrier of cells with tight junctions, the only molecules are very small molecules, like water. Water is made of, up of eighteen daltons. Dalton is a measurement of of a, of a molecule, named after uh, John Dalton from Manchester. I just have to. Plug the Manchester flag. Yep,
0: <laughs> you're a man and, yeah, uh... you got that. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and anyway, so 18 Daltons, very small molecule, water can get through the blood-brain barrier. But look at insulin, it's 5,808 Daltons. It's walloping. How on earth can it get through the blood-brain barrier? Surely it can't, but it does, because the hypothalamus measures that. We know it's got receptors on the hypothalamus that measures the high... The, the hormone incident and, other, and all the other hormones as well. Mm-hmm. So how does this work? And we now know there are seven areas in the brain with gaps in the blood-brain barrier. These seven areas are known as circumventricular regions. And these are, these are areas in the brain where, um, where just there's no blood-brain barrier to stop any large molecules getting in, to allow the hormones and other large molecules in, so toxins can get in. And then we have a problem. If toxins can get in from day one, as soon as you're born, or before that even, what happens? How does a body drain away those large toxins? Because the, the, the blood can't cope with the large toxins. It needs the lymphatics. And that's why a few scientists like myself for years and years and years, have been going on about, standing on, on the, uh, 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 the rooftops and shouting, yes, there is a, a drainage system, there has to be. And it's through some areas of the uh, of the brain and down the spine and then one of the main areas is the bone above the nose called the ethmoid bone where you've got a plate with little perforations that allow olfactory nerves nerves that control smell to go through into the into the lymphatic system in the nose so the the drainage goes through these little path uh, passages in the in these these spaces and these spaces are around the blood vessels that supply the nerves and it's not just in the olfactory pathway it's in the optic pathway the auditory pathways and also trigeminals within the cheeks and down the spine and if these pathways don't work properly because there's damage from physical damage or could have been the person could be born like that it can run in families and this leads to a a problem of drainage of toxins from the brain into the lymphatic system. And we can see that post, um, when you have a virus, some people have a severe virus and end up with post-viral fatigue, chronic fatigue, ME. And this is what we're now seeing with COVID-19, we're seeing this post-COVID syndrome, this, this long COVID, where people are getting coronavirus 19 and that leads to this very ongoing um, um, fatigue state with brain fog as one of the main symptoms as well. And if you think about the pathway to COVID, what do the people with COVID first suffer? Usually anosmia, loss of smell. So it's through this pathway, this drainage system that we now know exists, and by the way, this drainage system was only proven to exist in humans in 2017. So it's only four years ago they finally did scans on humans, showing that there's there's a, a lymphatic drainage system of the brain. So now they're looking at what conditions can ha- can co- can co- be caused by a dysfunction or disturbance of this drainage. And I've been working for since 1989 on ME, and others have been looking at Alzheimer's. And other conditions, and post-COVID uh, syndrome and this long COVID is another neurolymphatic disorder. And you can see that they have loss of smell affecting this pathway, and then it goes into the brain and affects the hypothalamus. And in the hypothalamus, there's a little nucleus that is con- uh, that controls fever. So when that gets affected by the toxins by these cytokines. You know, everybody now knows about the science I've been working for years, cytokines you here. Yes. Viral load. And these cytokines are inflammatory toxins that go into the brain. They don't have to be inflammatory. Some of them are non-inflammatory, but they still damage the brain if there's too much of them. And they stay lingering in the brain. And this is what causes post-viral fatigue. And this has been proven that the cytokines cause this for most patients who've had a virus and end up with ME. By work by, in America, in Stanford University, they found 17 cytokines stuck in the brain with ME. And there's Alabama University as well done research. There's a uh, professor, Jared Younger, who's a neuroscientist who does work with, with ME. And this had been proven. So we knew that this was going to happen. But uh, with um, with, uh, with coronavirus, that there'll be the same thing. And we're now seeing this epidemic of long COVID around the, the world. And the parent technique is helping this. Well, my, some of my practitioners are having really good results when helping the long COVID. Yes. And likewise, this is... and this, and it, sorry, sorry, I just, this gets back to what we started with, talking mm. about Lyme disease. Lyme disease is caused by the bacteria Borrelia. And you get... Bavilia burgdorferi, which is the the, 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 the classification, um, uh, burgdorferi. I never know how to say burgdorferi. I think it sounds Borrelia... about right <laughs> Burgdorferi, yeah. <laughs> and burgdorferi, yeah. Uh, and Borrelia is a bacteria that that comes from being bitten by usually by a tick, mm. by and most commonly a deer tick, and the 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 the, the parasite that uh, from the tick uh, what happens is that the tick uh, sucks some of the blood and and this bacteria goes into the blood of of the patients but it can end up in the brain and this is the key when it ends when these bacteria end up in the brain it causes an inflammatory reaction and damage of the brain itself and that's known as neuroborreliosis and it's when people don't have this drainage to drain away the the, the Borrelia, they end up with, the, with what we call Lyme disease, which is this neuroborreliosis with very severe. Because a lot of people can be bitten by a tick and not end up with anything.
0: They exactly. don't have
1: to get the Borrelia. And when people get the Borrelia, they don't have to get the neuroborreliosis. So they get the, they get the rash, they get the famous bullseye rash, and then they feel fine. They maybe need a bit of antibiotics, doxycycline by the doctor. And within a few weeks, they're fine. Yes. No problem. And sometimes no symptoms at all. But the ones that end up is the ones that drainage doesn't work in the first place. So when the toxins go into the brain, they, they just build up. And this drainage is a two-way, two-way affair. And it's affected by the lymphatics. And if the lymphatic's pumping the wrong way, which happens when there's lots of poisons in the hypothalamus, which is a major control of the nervous system of the autonomic nervous system. And it's the autonomic nervous system specifically the sympathetic nerves that control the lymphatics. So if the lymph pumps the wrong way, which is what I've discovered with ME and with Lyme's it pumps all the toxins back into the brain, pumping the, the in this case with Lyme's, the Borrelia, not, not, it's not coming out, it's going back in. And more and more Borrelia will co- go into the brain and st- stay in the brain and cause all the damage. And the cytokines cause with with, uh, with COVID, this cause the same thing within the brain as people with long COVID. So this is what causes this brain fog because the hypothalamus and the frontal area are very close to, this is where the prefrontal cortex of your brain is a part is a pathway from the nose into the hypothalamus and you go through this whole area which causes your 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 thoughts to go completely chaotic because it's where the center of thought in your brain is this area and that's why you get this brain fog
0: that's that's a very good long answer um uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) very long answer very long hopefully
0: people have followed it but Uh, They should play it again if they haven't, Ray. Because there's something I want to make clear. This is not some kind of special James Dellingpole podcast for people only with Lyme disease. This, what you're saying, applies equally to people with so called long covid which i think is a fancy name for the the standard post viral syndrome which you get after flu after every similar thing like that it's not yeah, it's not yeah, some yeah. unique phenomenon that has arisen out of covid-19 it's it's no. normal it's normal for those you know for those unlucky to to get this this post viral fatigue it applies across the board In the same way, it applies to people who've got ME and chronic fatigue syndrome, to people who've got fibromyalgia. It's all a function of a a malfunctioning limbic and lymphatic system, isn't it? Yes. Yes.
1: And And it's it's the functioning of the the neuro-lymphatic system. It's not just the limbic. I know you call it the limbic system because... The limbic system uh, system in the brain that is, the hypothalamus is part of the limbic system, the emotional side and the th- thought processes side of the brain. But the limbic system um, is just part of it. The toxins can go anywhere. And this is what really puzzles most doctors because there's a 100 billion nerves in the brain. And those toxins can go <laughs> only, and those toxins can go anywhere in the brain. So causing any symptom. And, those, the, and the, the chemicals will affect the neurochemistry of the brain. And neurochemicals pass between one nerve and another through synapses. And there's trillions of synapses in the brain. So those trillions of synapses can be affected and everybody's different. So there's not one patient I've seen and I never will see one patient uh, uh, exactly the same as another. Every patient, I've seen over two and a half thousand patients with ME in the last thirty-one years, and not one patient is the same. What they have different symptoms, you mean? And different symptoms, yeah. A collection—it's a collection of symptoms, but everyone's different. Well, in my new book.
0: Which comes out in March, uh, by the way. <laughs> oh, and <we're>, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely we'll put a talk about <laughs> we'll, we'll put the name of it um, below this podcast, but just tell us now what it's called. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the
1: Perrin Technique uh, uh, second edition,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the first edition was published in 2007 by Hammersmith Press. So, Hammersmith Press are publishing the second edition, which I've worked on for the last five years now. And this second edition has all the evidence to back up all the theories I said in my first book. We've got massive of scientific evidence. So it's a much larger book and it has details of, of, of most of uh, uh, the conditions and all the conditions I'm talking about today and much more. And, and it helps practitioners and patients get to grips with chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, fibromyalgia and, and similar conditions. And it's called, the the subtitle for it, it's the parent technique, second edition, but it's the subtitle is The Diagnosis and Treatment of Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, ME, and Fibromyalgia via the Lymphatic Drainage of the Brain. And that's the key. It says, it does what it says on the tin. Yeah. And it's not just a treatment, it's a diagnosis as well because it's, we are, are, over the years, I've discovered diagnostic signs that show up in patients with these
0: neurolymphatic conditions. You have. I, I've i spot, I mean, on me, they're obvious, yeah, because um, part of the treatment is uh, what you call effleurage, which is daily yeah. sort of massaging, isn't it, down the neck and and. Up the chest and so, and so on. You've got to do this to help get the get the the lymphs draining properly. And yeah. there are these things that you see under the skin, like little white maggots. Now, presumably, <laughs> are these peculiar to people who've got these got this condition? They're, yes. I mean, do, well, do people not yeah. have them.
1: No, no. They're, these are megalymphatics like that you can feel and sometimes see under the skin. Yeah, and what they're, they're Vavicus megalymphatics, as a name given to them. They were originally discovered by Professor John Kimment, who was a professor of anatomy and surgery at the, at the um, St Thomas's Hospital and Guy's Hospital in London. And Kimment discovered this, but he, as a surgeon, in, in, and he wrote a big book on the lymphatics years ago in the nineteen 1990- nineties. 1970. And his work was never accepted fully because he could never prove these. these uh, he talked about these varicose lymphatics, but he could never prove their existence beyond doubt. And I took a photo, which is in the book, um, I took a photo of varicose megalymphatics. Now, what they are, basically lymph, lymph vessels are little beaded vessels, very, very small. vessels. And the ones next to the skin are so small, you can never see them. And the lymph fluid is colorless. So it's even harder to see them. However, with ME patients, chronic fatigue patients and patients with Lyme's and long covid they have this backflow of lymph because the lymph controlled by sympathetic nerves goes wrong. So there's a backflow. It pushes against the normal lymph. So these beads become bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually they come to a size in some patients not just you can feel them, you can see them, but it's very rare to see them, but you can feel them just beneath the surface. And you can't. The reason why you can't see them so easily is because it's the lymph is colorless. It's not like blood. So they're like varicose veins, but they're colorless. Right. So they have the same color as the skin tone. And this is what we see always or we not see, but we feel always in the chest because this is the main drainage of the lymph in the body just underneath the collarbone. And if there's a backflow, the first port of call will be the chest. So I said that the hormonal link between, uh, on the, for the hypothalamus is the reason why women get ME much more than men. It's the reason why women get fibromyalgia more than men. And I'm not sure about Lyme disease, though if it's more with women than men. I'm not sure about that, uh, I have to, uh, that we'll have to look at. But the one thing definitely is that this, 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 this um, hormonal link, between women's hormones obviously are much more changeable than men, that affects the hypothalamus. And this is one of the main reasons why women affect uh, ME and uh, fibromyalgia more than men. And then it's the chest as well, the backflow of the lymph goes into the breast tissue, and there's much more lymphatic ingestion in women than men. So this is one of the second reasons why you have a high number of women getting fibromyalgia and ME uh, compared to men. And long COVID. It's very interesting. Long COVID is the same. Sorry, sorry. Because COVID affects men more severe COVID-19 is hitting men more than women which is yeah. interesting it's hit, it, but the long COVID is hitting women more than men and that's it, it doesn't seem to follow but uh, so women are struggling to cope after they've been hit by the virus and that again is the same reason why women get ME and fibromyalgia more because of this hormonal link and because of this backflow of lymph you've also
0: women You've also mentioned to me before that you're more likely to suffer this problem if you're a firstborn and if you, or if you had an athletic youth.
1: Yeah, this is it. And this comes back to the osteopathic principle of, of the cranial rhythm. The cranial rhythm is something we feel, osteopaths feel in the head and a lot of people, including members of the royal family, I believe, have have had cranial osteopathy over the years. And cranial is actually a very interesting um, technique to stimulate the, the fluids of the brain. And it's a technique that's been, been used over 100 years. And I wrote a seminal paper in 2007 on it that was published in the American Journal of Osteopathic Medicine, the, the, the Journal of Osteopathic Association of America. And this, this paper showed that the drainage of the brain into lymphatics is this cranial rhythm. And it's very easily explained. A lot of, lot of doctors and even some osteopaths are very dubious when you talk about the cranial side of things. The cranial rhythm, this rhythm we feel, is around a seven, eight to twelve beats a minute. So where does it come from? And with my research, I've discovered the origins of it. Cerebrospinal fluid in the brain, the fluid in the brain is produced by the blood and goes back to the blood. So we know any neuroscientist, any neurologist, anybody who does neuroradiography neuro- radi- uh, neuro- and looks at the brain will know that the, 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 the amount of the rhythm within the brain of fluid is the same as a heart rate. It's produced by the blood and goes back to the heart, uh, blood. So it's 50 to 100 beats a minute within the brain. But now we know there's this drainage pathway from the brain and from the spinal cord as well into the lymphatics. And the lymph has a pump mechanism pumped by the sympathetic nerves that pump the main duct of the lymph, the thoracic duct and other parts at a rate of around four beats a minute. This was discovered by this professor John Kimment that I mentioned earlier. So basically you've got this pumping mechanism of four beats a minute And now we know some of the drainage of the brain goes into this lymph. So two pumps, two waves come together and physics dictates what happens next. When you have two waves coming together, they combine and cause an interference wave, a third wave. You don't need to be a physicist for this. You just have to be into a beach. And most of us have been to a beach and seen a big wave coming in and a small wave going out. and When they crash together, they produce a third wave. And that third wave is the interference wave. And this in the body, the third wave is produced by the cerebrospinal fluid draining into the lymph. And the two waves come together and produce this, what we as osteopaths call the cranial rhythmic impulse or the cranial rhythm. And with ME patients and chronic fatigue syndrome patients, And many other patients with this neuro lymphatic problem, including Lyme disease, they have a problem in the cranial rhythm and we need to stimulate that. And the treatment, the parent technique, stimulates this cranial rhythm, but also stimulates the lymph drainage as well to go in the
0: right direction. And that's
1: how it works. It just drains off the toxins.
0: So I can, I can vouch personally for, for this technique and you haven't, you haven't paid me. Or anything like that. I just it's nice to see you again actually, because I haven't seen you for about what? A year or <laughs> No, so. no, no. A Unfortunately, year. Unfortunately so. with
1: COVID it's it's uh, kept my travel to the bare minimum and staying in Manchester at the You're moment. Stuck. I will come back down south eventually, don't
0: worry. So, um <laughs> but I think people will be wondering, well, hang on a second. Like Lyme disease is a major problem. lots of people have got it. Um, ditto yeah. chronic fatigue syndrome or ME, ditto fibromyalgia. There are people suffering all over the, the country and the world, actually. Some of them in awful conditions where some people I, I, I hear about that confined to their bedrooms can own, or some of them have to keep night hours. They can only go, at, go out at night. They, can, they, they can't bear yeah. daylight. Horrible, horrible, miserable lives if you've got yeah. the solution why isn't why isn't the world why doesn't the world know about you why why, why isn't doesn't everywhere have a kind of <laughs> and that's a, well as soon
1: as i as soon as i talk about this yeah and patient when patients know my work they all say the same thing and you probably said the same thing when you first when it clicked the penny dropped yeah it, this makes sense yes it makes does sense yeah, totally. i with, with, with my new, in my new book, I list over a hundred symptoms and explain why uh, every, all these symptoms occur because of the, the, the problem of the neurolymphatics and the problem of the sympathetic nerves not working properly because of the toxins building up in the brain. This is, it all explains every single symptom you get with Lyme's, you get with chronic fatigue syndrome, you get with ME, fibromyalgia, all these are explained, hmm. and once you understand that, then it, it all makes total sense. I'll give you an example. A lot of patients, one of the, some, not all, but a, a lot of patients get severe pain in different parts of the body, hmm. especially with Lyme, and fibromyalgia definitely. So, what, how to explain that? And it's very easy to explain when you know what's going on. In the research of the neurolymphatics, they discovered. The main area when the drainage wasn't working, in, they did this experiment in mice, they showed that, the, that there were certain areas of the brain affected mostly. And the two areas mostly affected were, the, were called the basal ganglia and the thalamus. The basal ganglia produces a chemical called GABA. It's a very, quite, there's a lot of GABA in the basal ganglia. And these are very close to the hypothalamus that I talked about earlier. These are part of your limbic system. The basal ganglia contains things like the amygdala and other things that are very involved in the emotional side of your brain. But also the GABA acts as a pain suppressant. And when that gets poisoned by toxins building up there, you end up with severe pain throughout the whole body. All pain reception is, is, is heightened. But then there's also the thalamus, and that produces a chemical called neuropeptide P, or substance P. And that is actually produces more pain. And when that gets irritated by toxins, you get more pain from that. So there's two areas, the two main areas in the brain affecting pain stimulation and pain pain um, uh, sensation, really, is centralized pain are affected by the toxins not draining out. And this was shown all the years in 2012 by, by Jeff Illiff and his co- cohorts in Rochester University. So they discovered this then. And this, this proves what's happening with, with, uh, with the brain of people with fibromyalgia why they get such severe pain. And this is the same with with uh, you get pain with ME and pain with with uh, Lyme disease, severe pain, and this is this is why you get this. So when you look at this this drainage system not working, it explains everything that's going
0: on. That's uh, that's a very good um, uh, a medical explanation of, of 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 a yeah a common symptom of of ME and 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 Lyme and so on. Um, you sound very plausible, but I can say I I just know that there are going to be some people who are going to be saying toxins that sounds like really new age that sounds 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 like dangerously close to colonic irrigation and the kind of new age stuff that i'm suspicious of because i believe in you know whatever um so when we're talking about toxins we're okay so you've given an example cytokines which are are what sort of protein lumps well, cytokines
1: are large protein molecules that, that are in the body. They're, people might have heard of them anyway, interleukins, interferons. People have had cancer therapy, have had chemotherapy. They often use cytokines. And what are the, what are these cytokines? They don't kill the virus, cytokines. What do they do? These are basically signaling molecules. They attach to a bacteria in this in with in berylia it'll be a bacteria with viruses with with um with covid19 will be a virus and the the cytokines attach to the um the 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 invade the invader basically mm-hmm. so anything that's not self it would attach to Now, what it does then, it signals to antibodies to come along and kill the the virus or kill the bacteria and get rid of it one way or the other. But the thing is, if there's loads of them if this cytokine storm, Mm. they don't all attach to just the viruses. Then they can attach to healthy cells as well, which uh, the reaction, the response is almost identical to people who have chemo when they have an injection uh, of of a major amount of these cytokines that will attach to the cancer cells, but also attach to healthy cells, which then causes the the side effects that people see when they have chemotherapy. And it's very interesting that some people who have chemotherapy, by the way, end up with post-chemo syndrome, which is a form of ME from the cytokines. Uh, so but the cytokine of storm that you see in, 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 in other conditions, and these are part of the toxins, but there's also environmental pollution, heavy metals. We talked about, um, you talked about childbirth and the firstborn getting it, and I'm sorry, we didn't actually answer that. I became uh, almost like a politician, not answering the question asked and going, to, but I'll come back to that, because when the firstborn has more trauma, usually through because they're the first to go through the birth canal. So it will affect the the cranium. And therefore we see a large number of firstborns having symptoms from day one. They might have tonsillitis, they might have lots of runny noses or sinusitis from very early on in life, all because of the pressure buildup on the cranium from day one of, of birth. It might have been a very long labor. They might have had forceps delivery. Or fontus delivery, where they, 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 there's going to be pressure on the head, and the head, in, uh, is, as, as a newborn baby, is very soft and very supple, and it can be can easily be changed, and uh, from the trauma, and it uh, can affect these small small passages that allow the drainage to occur. So right from day one, you might have a reduction of drainage of the of the cranium of the head from a newborn baby which can then lead to problems later on in life Um, so but toxins can come in different forms the post-viral we look at the cytokines but there's also chronic infections cause things like prostaglandins to to form which are inflammatory uh, can be inflammatory chemicals in the in the body that that cause problems but there's also toxins from the environment heavy metals there's a um, years ago there was a big big hoo-ha about vaccines. Now it's a bit better, but the vaccines years ago contained thimerosal a lot of them as a preservative, which was a heavy metal, which was mercury. So they inject mercury-based into a, a, a chemical as vaccines. Now they've taken away thimerosal, thank God, uh, but there's still you know other uh, other sources of, of mercury in the body that. Um, when dentists put amalgam fillings in, that could be uh, a toxin that, that some people just don't react well to. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, of toxins in the environment. I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of chemicals let, let loose every second of every day by chemical firms around the world. And many of them are toxic to the body. So there's a the the environment unfortunately isn't the best place, but we also have stress, and now we're under massive stress with this with this COVID-19. And anybody who says they're not stressed is, is <laughs> in a different planet. Um, but um, this stress stress is the biggest cause of neuroinflammation. It's the biggest cause of neurotoxicity. So, so inflammation builds up because of the stress. So cytokines can be triggered by stress alone. So it's a combination of different factors, stress, physical stress, physical uh, injury, it can cause inflammation. So if had, somebody's had a trauma on their head or trauma in their spine, that can cause it as well. Yeah.
0: So lots of different causes of toxicity. Yeah. So it, there are unlucky people out there and I'm one of them. Yeah. Um, people, it, it's, it's a structural problem, isn't it? It's ultimately about, is your system functioning or, or, or well or not, as it's meant to? Yes. And if you're unlucky yes. like me, for whatever reason, I'm a, I'm a firstborn. I took lots of exercise when I was, was, was young, so which, which could have caused damage. I've lots, lots of factors which make me more likely to be susceptible to this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, would it be right to infer from that that for example, with, with coronavirus or, 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 or flu, if, 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 this, this system is not working properly, that you are more likely to suffer badly from the, uh, from the, 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 viral problem or, or is, is it, is it just the post-viral area where it's going to be problematic and before then, I mean, are you, are you more susceptible to cytokine storms and the damage they can do if you've got this problem or, or is it, does that not come into it?
1: Yes, absolutely right, James, in, in every way. This is what we're trying to say. You know, lots of people get viruses. You know, the, years ago, they used to call, um, uh, they used to think it was Epstein-Barr virus, uh, glandular fever, that led to mean Now, glandular fever is a virus, Epstein-Barr virus, that, that targets the lymphatic system. So it's, it's like a lymphatic virus. And therefore, patients who got, that's why they call it glandular fever. So... It, it, it affects the lymphatics, but most people get over it. I, I had a glandular fever and the doctor told me to rest for a few weeks and I had to stop for a few weeks and then I eventually recovered and I was able to carry on as normal. Why didn't I get ME, post-viral fatigue, because my lymphatic drainage works. Yeah. Thank God, if it didn't work, I would have ended up with with a buildup of poisons in the brain, toxins, cytokines after the virus, and I wouldn't have recovered. And this is the thing. So patients who get this this post-viral and get the long COVID and get limes, unfortunately, their drainage system doesn't work before. And we see this in families a lot. And I'm the only person in the world that says you can prevent these conditions in the first place because the physical signs are there before the symptoms start. So we can feel that the problem's there. We can feel the drainage system not working in the head. We can feel the lymphatic varicosities, the backflow of lymph. And there's also sensitive points and tender points and spinal problems. We can feel all that. So sometimes in families, and uh, you might know yourself, In families, sometimes there's other people with very similar symptoms and we can examine those people and catch it early enough to stop the major symptoms starting. So we do this with families who have ME and uh, chronic fatigue uh, and fibromyalgia all the time. We see members of their families, children, and just check them out. And sometimes we find physical problems and we, we treat them there. And um, sometimes we don't and the other person's fine. The trouble is we can never prove that we can prevent this because the person doesn't get ill. <laughs> yeah. <So> yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a no win situation. So, but the thing is we know that the physical signs change, we can see them changing and we can see the, the, the general, we can feel the cranial flow working better. So this is how, how we work with, with,
0: with the patient. So, so yeah, it is a susceptibility. Definitely. Um, i've been doing the the the, the technique i mean you've got you've got practitioners all over the country i've got a wonderful woman who does who does me um yeah. but yeah. it ain't cheap because it's it's a hands on process no. No. and it no. requires skills yeah. yeah 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 does that mean that they're never gonna how are they gonna i mean it's very effective but how are they ever going to roll it out in in the in the n h s this
1: this is a big, big problem we've got. And um, it's good you mentioned the NHS because the reason why, you know, my, my professor, Jack Edwards, who was a professor I worked with right at the beginning of my research work in South, at the University of Salford, he said to me, when we when we published our first results showing that the treatment did help ME patients, it was completely washed uh, thrown away by the scientific world because he said it wasn't done in the right way. And uh, even though... Uh, they, they just hoped that I would probably be unsuccessful, and we showed a forty percent improvement in the patients compared to minus one of, of the control group. But it wasn't it wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. And unfortunately, because it wasn't a drug, I wasn't accepted. And this is what my professor said: if you were a drug, you'd be licensed years ago. And this is the thing: it would be because we'd be able to make a lot of money for, pharma and companies, and the government would would be would love it. Um, uh, just like they're, they're rolling out the vaccines, and they're, 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 they're spending a lot of money, but you know the, the, the drug companies are, are going to be paying lots of revenue back into the government. So the thing is that, unfortunately, it is a hands-on treatment, and it, is, it can become quite expensive if you're having months and months, and sometimes in very severe cases, years of treatment. So how, uh, so how can it run out? So it's very difficult, but we are doing a research project starting this this year at the University of Manchester, and it's going to be in, co- co- uh, in com- combination with Salford Royal NHS Foundation Trust, which is an uh, NHS hospital, I'm working with the team there, and we're rolling out this, this, this do-it-yourself treatment plan mm-hmm. for post-Covid, for long-Covid. We hope this, this is going to work on a, on a, on a, uh, a long term strategy that it will actually help reduce the symptoms of long COVID by just doing simple exercises and self massage techniques. The stuff I and do every then, day. Yeah, yep. and if it shows that there's any improvement in the group who are doing this, we're going to, uh, compared to the ones that aren't. Then we'll hopefully be able to roll it out throughout the country, and it won't cost a penny. And that's the the beauty of it. That's and We're hoping it will help some people, but it's not the same as having treatment when you've got full blown ME and you need the treatment. Then and then it's difficult because we are we are private practitioners. But there are some some uh, some hopefully in in the future um, some hope of of getting the NHS interested eventually in in what I do. But it's going to take it's taken thirty one years, thirty two years now to get this far. And hopefully it won't take another 32 years to get the whole of the
0: NHS interested. What about hospital people who live in other countries, people like li- live in America or Australia, whatever. Can, can they get access to this stuff? Yeah. Well, I have trained up
1: practitioners around the world in South Africa, in America, but not as many as we hope in Germany. And I do teach my techniques uh, at grassroots level in the, colleges are uh, in, uh, in osteopathy um, in Europe, uh, in Poland, in Germany, uh, in Greece. So they learn my techniques as, as part of their course of osteopathy. So it's spreading the techniques. Um, my, my book will do a stage by stage uh, techniques for osteopaths, physios, chiropractors, physical therapists in the States and other places who have a grounding in cranial knowledge to be able to help those patients who can't, uh, when they can't come to my courses. Because But I am hopeful, my, I've, I've got uh, about 100 practitioners worldwide and uh, 50 of those are in the UK who are trained, licensed practitioners and some of them will be learning how to teach it in the future because I'm not going to be here forever and I uh, know that I need to pass on my knowledge to others so, there'll be other practitioners who will be uh, training uh, other, again, a, a new generation of practitioners. So, hopefully, we'll spread around the world
0: eventually. But it's going to take time. Unfortunately. And, I think another, another question people are going to be wondering is why you? I mean, how on earth did you chance upon this discovery? Are you a genius? Are you lucky? Are you <laughs> what? <laughs> I think l- luck of fate
1: comes into it a lot. I was very much making my career in sports medicine in 1989. I was uh, I did the World Student Games in '91, uh, but before that, I was I was treating uh, leading Olympic athletes, leading uh, um, sportsmen in their fields, especially the what was known as the Rally Banana Team. Um, I don't know. I think you're, you're a keen cyclist. No. no. No, no, no. I used no, to, I no, do it in no.
0: London, but not now. No.
1: okay. I, I, yeah. I prefer horses. But, yes. Horses. <laughs> well, I've treated a few equestrians over the years as well. And um, uh, it's interesting because Princess Anne, she's, a, she's a, a, a Chancellor of the University of College of Osteopathy, and I'm one of the vice patrons. So we meet up every so often, and she's very keen on osteopathy as an equestrian. But... Going back to my work in in sports medicine, I was working with uh, the Raleigh Banana team, which was the forerunner of the the Sky uh, Cycling team in Manchester. And one of their members had ME. And this was 1989, in the days they used to call it yuppie flu, Mm -hmm. the derogatory term that young upward mobile people get this illness because they're just not fit enough get yeah. them out and make them play more football or whatever, and they'll be fine. And they used to drop uh, like flies, and I used to pick up the, the remnants. So one of the patients who had this ME um, was, a, was a former cyclist for the Rally Banana. So he was recommended to come to me because he had back problems. And when I examined his spine, he was telling me that he he's not been cycling for seven years because he's had ME, and this was 1989. So I said, well, I can't help the ME, but I can definitely get your spine and your posture working better. Yeah. And that's what I did. And whilst I was working on his posture and doing cranial, which I always do in all my patients and did, uh, did work on the, uh, on. Uh, I didn't realise how much we worked on the lymphatics because osteopathy, you should work on the lymphatics a bit, but I didn't realise how important lymphatics were, was in those days, but I was working on his spine and his manual um, problems and his uh, physical problems, I should say. And, um, and then his, his symptoms improved, his spine improved, but he also told me his a symptoms for the first time in seven years were improving. And within a few months, he was completely symptom free, completely. Blimey. He said, you've cured me. And I said, no, I couldn't have. He said, you have. And he came along with a whole wad of information about any that it amassed over the last seven over the seven years before and he said read all this because you've got the answer nobody else has and you've found the answer and i I started reading and i thought well what have i done and i knew that i'd worked on his thoracic spine the top part of the spine and i knew from from learning anatomy and especially applied anatomy that the sympathetic nervous system was a major central part of the of the the main, the upper part of the spine, it spans out from the upper part of the spine to the rest of the body. And I said, well, perhaps I've stimulated the sympathetics to work better. And that's how it's worked, how I've got you better. He said, that's exactly it. And I started noticing other patients who came in who had similar symptoms to him. So probably had ME without being diagnosed and they all had physical problems on the spine, very similar. And it was over the years that I discovered other physical signs that they also had. And the lymphatics were so important part of this. And then eventually I I discovered these these five physical signs. And by the way, we, we did a study within the NHS on these five physical signs that was published in 2017 in the British Medical Journal. And I was very proud. It was in the British Medical Journal, not the not an osteopathic journal, because it was a doctor's own journal that published this paper on, in the online journal. And it showed it showed eighty four percent success in diagnosing just using these physical signs that I discovered, compared to forty four percent in the in the, of um, uh, it, when an uh, uh, NHS consultant examine the same patients using um, reflexes, you know, using patella hammers, looking at the neurological signs and rheumatological signs of does the muscle move, how do they look, do they look ill? And he was only able to, discuss, uh, to diagnose 4% of the patients correctly. And these were without any 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 uh, conversation, without any note taking. We just examined the patients. I wasn't allowed to get involved. I had to have two practitioners who I trained up. To make things harder, I had one patient practitioner who I trained up just for the study, so I had no prior experience with me at all to teach to show the NHS that we could teach people to do this. So it could be taught in hospitals to diagnose using these physical signs. And they still showed an uh, an 86%, sorry, 86% diagnostic compared to a 44% of the NHS consultant. And he was amazed by it. He just couldn't believe that he got 56% of the ME patients diagnosed as healthy. He thought they just looked healthy because that's the trouble. And that's the thing with Lyme's as well. Mm. You know, some patients with Lyme's and ME and fibromyalgia look healthy. But they're not. If you examine them, there's a lot of things wrong with them. And you go through the history, and the, uh, and it's post-exertion malaise that really hits them. This post-exertion, they can manage, and as soon as they exert themselves, they go downhill. And this That's isn't exce- is not yeah. And this isn't isn't seen when you see somebody in clinic. You say, how are you? I'm fine, and have a whole conversation. And they do you know, I spend you know you know from coming to me the new consultation is about an hour and a half, sometimes goes on to two hours or more, and they think, well, if this person can survive a two hour consultation they they're fine, but then afterwards they suffer, and I always tell the patient, we never start treatment straight away because um because because of uh, the um the the whole um, stress of the consultation that's enough for the patient to cope with. But my basic golden rule, and this is what I talk about in my new book a lot, is ME patients, fibromyalgia patients, and also Lyme's as well. To treat it, you have to look at like a jigsaw puzzle. You get the corners first. When you make a jigsaw puzzle, the best thing to do is get the corners first. So what are the cornerstones for treatment? And they're very simple. Rest. So not to push yourself, but rest. Relaxation, which is different to rest because you can rest and be stressed as anything mentally, but you want to rest and relax at the same time. Chillax, as they call it. And then also, also, if you can't, if you're under stress, some people have got a very stressful life and they're resting, but they're still not relaxing and they can't relax, So then they should meditate what um, mindfulness thinking of the present not thinking of the past or the future concentrate on some good that's happening now and that's so important and then the most important thing and the thing that i started in 1989 which was completely against the trend at the time when it was yuppie flu was pacing pacing uh, i was literally the first person in the world to say you pace everybody else was saying push 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 and i was saying no you have to pace half of what you feel capable of doing, and this is pacing. So fifty percent rule. I tell patients, you
0: know yourself. I told you this. It's very difficult for people with a busy life. Well, it's it's <laughs> very difficult, particularly because you remember I was I was recommended to you by the youngest female British Airways pilot, uh, and. It seems to me, you mentioned this before, that you get a disproportionate number of people who, who would be called A-types, really physically active people, which is why it's so cruel, that it strikes, it's it strikes the most active. Listener. ME is the cruel. yeah. ME, fibromyalgia, limes
1: are so cruel because it hits the most active. because they're, 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 And this is because they've overloaded their body for so long, so they've built up the the... The, the drainage system doesn't work and they're pushing themselves to the very limits. And then suddenly,
0: wow, and one. And by the, the way, Ray, straw. I have a confession yeah. to make, uh, which you know is, well, you probably know, cause I bet you hear it from other patients too. I quite often ignored your rule and I'm sure it probably set back my treatment. But now, I mean, for example, I run about 25 miles a week. Um, wow. No Amazing. no problem at all. I don't get, Amazing. And, and, and you've just reminded me because one forgets what it was like living with, living with Lyme disease, that I used to go on a walk. I used to be capable of going on sort of long walks, you know, with my family or with friends. But what I got yeah. afterwards was this exhaustion, like, lit, I mean, it felt being, being bone tired. It felt a, a degree of exhaustion that I think normal people don't ever experience. And
1: yeah. it's, it's that. Yeah. So it's a complete draining and, yeah. and it's hard when you're trying to push. And, and the thing is, and this is very interesting because, you know, willpower, everybody knows willpower can get you through anything. Yeah, you know, People have been cured, been known to cure themselves from cancer from willpower alone. So what is going on? How does that work? Well, the power of the mind is, again, it's through this sympathetic nervous system, through the sympathetic nervous system, it stimulates. It stimulates the immune system to work better. So by willpower, if you concentrate and push all your energies into, into say, I'm going to beat this, then the sympathetic nervous system can kickstart your immune system and make you um, get rid of all sorts of illnesses. However, it's the sympathetic nervous system that's going wrong with ME because of this overloaded toxicity in this area of the brain that controls that's the main control of the sympathetic nervous system. So your sympathetic nervous system is dysfunctional. So the more you say, I'm going to beat this, the worse you get. That's yes. And that's this is so true. Big, so true. This is the big problem. And this yes. is the big problem with, with this. And that's why it's such, it's not the worst illness in the world, but it's the cruelest. When you have a problem in the drainage system of your brain, it, it hits usually very high achievers and uh, a type uh, personalities and it's the cruelest illness i know myself because i'm i'm like that (laughs) and um, uh, i always say i I joined workaholics anonymous many years ago but the first meeting was cancelled because everybody was too busy to attend Uh, so uh, i'm 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 just that's my nature i'm pushing myself to the very limits all the time. And if I had me, I'd, 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 I'd know, I don't know how I'd you'd manage. Be,
0: you'd be a terrible patient. I'd, right. I'd yeah. The
1: worst patient ever. So I do appreciate that, but it, we know it's the way forward. And I said that this jigsaw puzzle, the the cornerstones are this, this, and the, the, the then the next thing you do with the jigsaw puzzle is the border and the border. i feel is the pairing technique itself, looking at the structure, Getting the neurolymphatic system working. And how do we do that? And it goes back to a very simple, it's again, it's all based on physics. When you push down the lymph, down to the drainage points and below the, the, the collarbone, and then push up, you create a concertina effect. This drainage pushes into the, the pressure builds up there and then it goes into the bloodstream and that creates the, the drainage and then it that creates another physical phenomenon called the siphon effect and we all know if you've ever had a uh, fish tank when you're a young girl or have one now if you're cleaning a fish tank out you take a tube and you suck it up yeah and it drains off all the toxins i know some people uh we always joke some people that's how they get their petrol but we don't <laughs> um but uh, so so we, 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 this siphon effect, how does it work? Well, once you've created negative pressure, by building up this, top, uh, this, this pressure here, it pushes the fluid through. When you have a change of pressure from one fluid part to another, it creates this siphon effect, which then continues on this drainage. So the drainage continues down the brain, from the brain down into the lymphatics, through the nasal passages, into the... Drainage in there, and the same for up. So we do up and down, the back and the front, creating this this um, concertina effect and this siphon effect. Eventually, draining off all the toxins, and it takes time, as you know. It does. And once the drainage is working, once uh, then your your health is returned. It's
0: it's taken me it's taken me years, but I, yeah. I wouldn't have it. I mean, I'm so happy with what I'm so much better than I was, and, and I I'm really excited to make this, this podcast with you, Ray, just because um, yeah. I know that we're going to help. There are so many people yeah. out there we're going to help. And, and, that's and if- it. Yeah, well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, it's true.
1: And it does. Uh, to be frank with you, the problem started maybe from birth. So for many, many years, the drainage wasn't working properly. That's why it took forever. Some patients... It only takes a few months. As my first patient, it only took a few months before he was symptom free. But it's not not. Some people aren't all that lucky, and that's the jigsaw puzzle. So that's where the seat and the sky pieces. And some patients are hundred piece jigsaws. Too bad. Some people are even less, ten piece jigsaws. But some people are thousand piece jigsaws. I'm a thousand
0: piece And lots of yeah. <laughs> and that's a lot of complexity. That's why it takes time. So. If 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 I have helped you, um, dear dear viewer listener, um, I'd really appreciate if you if well I mean regardless whether I help you or not, you can support me on my Patreon and my Subscribe Star. You can also uh, go to my website dellingpoleworld and you can support me um, via PayPal or even Bitcoin if you like. Um, uh, it's greatly appreciated if you do. Get early access to my podcast, um, Ray. Uh, if people want to want to try out the the Perrin technique how do they uh, how do they get hold of you and or, or do they, what do they do right
1: yeah okay right well they can uh, look on the website www.theperrintechnique.com and uh they can um uh, if people want to find out there's a map on there with the the nearest licensed practitioner and I said, if if people haven't aren't living near a licensed practitioner, my new book, which is published by Hammersmith Press, comes out March the eleventh in the bookshops. It's available on, on Amazon now at a massively discounted rate if you pre-order. Um, so um, we'll get one sent to you, James. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so, but the the thing is that um, I'll sign one for you. <laughs> uh, but the 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 Amazon uh, Prime is uh, is offering amazing discounts for for uh, the the book if you pre-order. So uh, that should be um, and that's if you pre-order before I think February the nineteenth. But then it's March eleventh it's going to be out in shops um, on on general sale. So um, if there, if there, if there's no practitioner on the Perrin website. Um, if you want more information they can go on info at dot com or info at com. we'll both get uh, we'll be able to send information but if you look on the map you'll see the nearest practitioner to you so hopefully that will help
0: um, that's good one and, more question uh, before I go while, I, while I've got you yeah, because it's, it, it's always great having having a, having a doctor or an expert on something to, to ask questions to you people who've got Lyme disease, tend, in my experience, to get very obsessed about the, the the Borrelia spirochete and various co-infections, which clearly overload the system. And they become obsessed <laughs> with this quest to destroy these, these bacteria and viruses that, 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 that have invaded their body. But it's not really those... The, the viruses... They're not really the thing you should be worrying about, are they? It's it's. Why? How is it that they not, they they aren't really the issue in the end?
1: Not so much. Um, can we just hold a second? There's a yeah. phone. The phone's going behind, and nobody's answering it. On, should then. be. I don't know what what's happening there. Just hold go, on one second. Go on to of your the, phone. But sorry.
0: <laughs> anyway, I I can just say while you're waiting. um that it has made so- i'm sorry about this. i don't know what's happened there that's all right sorry about that okay right yeah <laughs> sorry so, what was the so, question again can well you, it's it's can you edit I, this or is this all just no, it uh, doesn't, doesn't matter people quite kind of like the uh the, the shambolic <laughs> nature of it but i i've sort of i've sort of inferred from what you've told me um that unless you treat lyme disease very early you you you, you i mean if you get get bitten by the tick and you get the telltale bullseye rash, you can yeah. whack it with, yeah. with nasty antibiotics, which are going to screw up your, yeah. your, yeah. um, your digestive system and, 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 and stuff, but will yeah. probably zap the spirochete, which is the, which is the, the yeah. bacterium in, in, in time. Yeah. But, um, there comes a point not what maybe two or three months into it where it ceases to become a, a sort of a bacterial infection and becomes a, a chronic immune disease problem. Is that right?
1: Yeah, there's a. The thing is, I mean, I'm not saying I'm I'm not against antibiotics if necessary. So, if the the quickest way, if somebody's been bitten by a tick and shows the bull's eye rash, it's always good to get the back, you know, kill the bacteria if you can straight away. But the thing is, and natural antibiotics are also very useful. But it's not just that. I mean, we do uh, we do advise patients to take a whole gamut of excuse me natural antibiotics Um, and there's lots of nature's provided loads of really good um, natural uh, one of them is allicin max which is wonderful allicin is from garlic and it's an incredibly good um, and natural antibiotic it's been used for centuries and chinese medicine uses it a massive amount of garlic so allicin does help and there's uh, lots of other things that are useful for uh, bacterial infections however it's, you're right, it's not getting rid of the, the problem will not go away by just killing the, the bug. And, um, you know, a lot of times people have antivirals or antibacterials for different infections. And dead bacteria, dead viruses, still are toxic. You know, you can have a buildup of all sorts of rubbish debris oh, that's yeah. still going to affect the body and therefore we need to drain these toxins away and that's the job of the lymphatics and if it's not working properly you're going to and it's working the wrong way whatever drugs you put into your system you're not going to beat the problem so the key and I said, that's where, that's the middle part of the jigsaw puzzle. That's the different supplements, different, uh, uh, different um, um, medicines, uh, different diets, um, all these things, and different maybe talk therapies as well. Some people might need those as well. But those are, that's the, the sea and the, and, and the sky of the jigsaw puzzle. But you've got to get the basis. You've got to get cornerstones, you've got to pace, you've got to rest relax meditate, you've got to get the structure working better, and you've got to get the lymphatic system working better and that's the key to getting people better from this disorder rather than just putting putting um, uh, elastoplast on it or just giving you a, a drug to to help reduce the symptoms but not actually cure it.
0: Well, Ray, it's been great to have you on. And it's made a nice change from my kind of politics um, because there's so many things that have been bothering me in the world that I'd I'd normally deal with in this podcast. This has been a a sort of like a holiday from all that. So thanks very much. And I really hope you can help lots of people because uh, you've helped me and uh, I want to spread the word. James, it's
1: yeah well thank you so much for this i've really enjoyed and it's great seeing you and hopefully we'll we'll meet up in person soon without masks on hopefully yes definitely (laughs) in the
0: future well in my case definitely i don't i wear the buggers but no well you should because no we're gonna (laughs) no we're not gonna go there we're totally not gonna go there that's it anyway ray thank you so much
1: that's great okay god bless and take care bye bye. Uh, bye 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 bye